episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 69. This week I catch up with Stephen Russell. He's got a really nice 54 Chevy COE that he's been building for the last year or two. And uh, yeah, if you follow the Aussie Facebook pages, the Chev pages, you'd be uh, well aware of this build. It's called Sarge. And, uh, you know, I've been following it for quite a while and chatting to Stephen in the background and he's finally nearing completion. So we thought we'd get him on for a, a chat about the build and, and a bit about his background. So hope you guys really enjoy this one as much as I did. Stephen, thanks for joining me on the podcast, mate. I, I know that we've been messaging each other, I think, probably for a good year or two by now. So uh, good to finally have you on. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I've been yeah, waiting to catch up with you. We're moving house and all that it's been a bit hard but uh with covid and all that as well but no it's great to finally get to talk to you yeah i mean i i remember when i i think you first posted a picture of the um of the cab of your coe um that you were, i think it hadn't even been shipped yet and i was like oh i've got to have a chat with this guy so it's um i mean it's it's on the road now so it's you've come a long way yeah yeah i put a lot of time in it and all that and uh i probably had about for six to eight months layoff on it uh, due to moving house and twice in uh, a few years and uh, yeah when I bought the truck I uh, yeah I, I was actually on the road in the caravan and uh, I spotted it there I was looking for one I spotted it there and uh, started putting things together and I bought it while I was on the road <laughs> yeah these things just happen when we're not not really ready for them don't they quite often yeah yeah no it was good like a the guy I dealt with in California was all right, and I bought the complete truck, and um, then I organised with one of my mates, uh, Dennis Young over there, and um, he actually uh, pulled the cabin and all that off for me, and uh, I shipped it through uh, Peter Lay uh, in, up in Queensland there, uh, Custom Imports. He's he done a fantastic job all the way from, uh, yeah, Marriott right to my doorstep. Fantastic. No, that's awesome. Well, mate, what what I like to do, um, as you probably know, is kind of get a little bit of bit of information on your background and, and that sort of thing, and you know, talk us through a little bit about your your early automotive influences and you know how you got involved in vehicles early on and and what created the passion that you're now obviously pretty deeply involved with. Oh uh, well, I'll probably start off when I was uh, very young. I um, I'll say around about eight eight years old. I um got bronchitis and my lungs collapsed so I had a lot of time in bed at home and in hospitals in and out and uh, mum and dad there was a place in Melbourne called uh, Hearn Hobbies and they used to buy me car models and I got into car models uh, building car models while I was homesick and uh, yeah a lot of lot of great cars I had all the old hot rods like the Red Baron and the Stagecoach all those type of cars that are probably getting popular now or you know so with that, I uh, 12 years old, um, got in a, got in a little bit of trouble when I was young, and you know here and there like all boys do. And uh, mum and dad bought me uh, an FX Holden uh, to pull apart and get going. So that was the start of my career at 12. Um, I used to catch a train to uh, high school, and I used to drive past and be at the front of the house, mind you, not no garages or nothing like that in those days in, in Port Melbourne. And, um, yeah, you look at the car going past and cut over to school and work on it and uh, pull the motor apart. My first motor I pulled apart was a grey motor. Didn't know what I was doing, notebooks, nothing like that, but I was very uh, hands-on. And uh, we and my mates, we put the motor back in the car and uh, we were pushing it around, trying to get it going and couldn't get it going. And then uh, 
an old bloke said, I've been watching you for months and months. So what have you done? You know, and we told him, he goes, you put the cam in, you line the docks up, and, you know, what are you talking about? He's pulled the park, put it back together, you know? And uh, he actually took us under his wing, wing and uh, he was a retired mechanic, and he had an old butcher shop around the back with a couple of free garages there, and he let us, me and the boys, go around there. We used to play around cars. He taught us a lot of stuff, and uh, it all started from there. And... Um, yeah, that's how I got into cars, and it's been a passion. I used to go to see a lot of hot rods and, and all that type of stuff. Uh, hot rod show, very being close into Melbourne. Um, then I, as I got older, I uh, still loved my cars. Had an EH Holden when I was 17. I uh, chopped the roof on that, lowered it four inches. Used to buy the custom uh, rotter magazines, and they used to tell you how to chop a car on that. And we had the old milk crates out, and we chopped the car using um, a grinder and all that, but people are amazed that we, uh, when we welded it up, we used an oxy-acetylene, but that's what we had available in those days, and uh, used to pinch all mum's coat hangers, uh, and uh, well, use that to weld it up, and uh, that's when they weren't made in China. They were good, strain-quality coat hangers. <laughs> and uh, the car today is uh, 44 years ago plus, and uh, it's still on the road today, looking good. Oh, that's good. And do you still have that? No, no, well, I bumped into the guy up in Queensland who uh, actually owns it now. He's about the third owner of or fourth owner of it. And, uh, yeah, he found out it was mine. He asked about, you know, is it safe using coat hanger wires? Have we got any cracks or anything like that? And he goes, nothing. Nah. And when we done all the pillars and that, they're all stepped and welded inside as well. Um, we went by the book, what it said to do. And, uh, yeah, and he came around my place one day and threw me keys and said, yeah, let's go for a spin. So I took it for a good spin and, uh, yeah, it still drove well. Very strong car, motor-wise and all that. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he let me ever drive it again, but I gave it heaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's cool. Yeah. Did, did you ever get the uh, FX to the point of driving it? Um, yeah, we got the FX point of driving. We drove, we, uh, you know, well, I got old enough. You know, we drove it and now... Like, then it weren't too, well, 16, no license or nothing like that. We drove it around and all that and had a few FXs and FJs over the years. Um, when I was, I got married when I was young, um, always in the cars and always to go out and watch a drag racing and all that and anything to do with motors I was fascinated with and um, I got a, a, uh, a job as an engineer in an engineering shop. So when I was young, I think 16, I started work there and... Um, yeah, uh, just learned a lot from the engineering shop. It wasn't much, you know, hard work and no money. And uh, when I, I got married young, had a kid at 20, um, I still had cars like Camaros and all that in those days, uh, 67 Camaros and all that, and always pulling motors out and doing stuff. And with my mates, uh, my wife's car, ended up putting a Tirana, it was a LC GDR, put a 327 in that, was probably one of the first people to do it. And, uh, Without putting all the steering knuckles in, we actually moved the rack and um, extended the arms. It turned one, good one way and not the other, but <laughs> that's another story. And then uh, we moved from Port Melbourne and shifted up to uh, Werribee, when the population there was only 11,000 people. And uh, we moved into a nice big house, and um, we uh, ended up bumped into a guy, and an older fella, and he, 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 I saw the EH then, and... Um, I was about 20, 21 years old. Saw the EH and um, he said, oh, what are you doing washing your car, street cars, you know, because, you know, I was always playing around and and that, a few skids here and there. And he said, why don't you go drag racing like real men do? I said, oh, yeah, and uh, weren't doing much. And uh, I said, oh, I'll have to sell my car. I've got no money. And I sold the EH on and um, chopped up and sold the motor separately. And then I, um, he, we went around looking at for... Uh, uh, dragsters and alters and all that, and we sat in, we sat in the, um, well, when I was going to sitting inside the dragster, and you, you virtually when you hop in it, your your legs go over the dip, and you, you know your knackers are hanging onto the back of the dip, and your legs are between the gearbox. And uh, I said to him, uh, "What happens if the dip blows?" He goes, "You got a kid, don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> that was me introduction to dragster, drag racing, and I, I went away from cars a little bit then, as in. Um, I went to into drag racing pretty well, much for 16 years straight. Um, got a sponsorship deal with Seacrown Tools. They sponsored me for 11 years. 
uh, won two national championships, uh, Victorian championships, oh, state championships. I probably had around about or forty-six wins all up in um, at uh, tracks, not just win a race, uh, win the whole event. Um, yeah, so we were pretty well sponsored all the way up to um, around about two thousand, and uh, but in '98. I had a few little accidents, but in 98 I had a pretty uh, horrific accident over in Adelaide. Uh, I rolled the car around about 180 miles an hour, I rolled a bit of traps. And um, yeah, ended up a bit sore and sorry for myself, and the car was written off, and uh, Sigram came to the party. I was off work for about six months, but I had a bit of brain damage and all that, and uh, losing my balance and that. And uh, Sigram, I got a knock on the door, and the car trailer was at the front, and they unloaded a brand new car for me. and. Uh, I raced that the first meeting. I virtually raced it, set the car up. Um, I'll tell you what, I was packing, but I was—I never felt, you know, I was a bit scared. I must admit, I was popping back in the car again. But as soon as I started that motor up, it, it just all—it's a hard explanation. It just all leaves you, and you um, go into race mode, and you, you're in your own world. You don't care about no one else. Uh, um, you just. It's very hard to explain. Your adrenaline's pumping that hard. You, you feel your heart in your suit. And, uh, yeah, so I set the car up the first meeting. Second meeting was the state titles. I won that. And uh, then, in, then it was the um, championships, the national championships. And I won that. And um, I don't like losing. I won the national championships. And uh, I just said, I think it's time to retire. So I retired on a, a good win. And, um, yeah, so I had a good career in drag racing there. Went back into building cars again, and I built me virtually uh, first hot rod. It was a 34 uh, coupe. Um, uh, it was a Deuce Customs body, um, chassis. Oh, it was a chassis now. I'm trying to think. He doesn't do it no more, but the business is still going. Sorry, I can't remember his name. But, yeah. Jackie, that was a uh, 350 motor blown one, yellow one, coupe with flames. I built that with my first one, and then I just started building. I was building nearly a car a year then, going pretty strong, and uh, from Tudors to Roasters, and the uh, favourite pot rod would have been the, I bought a, a Dearborn, um, 1932 Dearborn, only about 400 mates, all steel body, and the chill would be slipped up in the back, and the... Um, uh, the, the the hood lining all folded away. I put a 392 Emmy in that one, and uh, that was probably my favourite car. You, could, you couldn't power into corners because you just kept on going straight because they had the old white walls on it. Um, that was a yeah, very good car, and uh, I knocked over a lot of cars. A lot of cars have been bought before I actually finished them. People wanted them, but I I didn't like finishing cars off of people. I liked doing them the way I wanted them, then I sell them. And um, when people get involved what they want, it becomes a bit of a headache, I felt. Um, by this time, I was um, working uh, down the dockyards um, as a shipbuilder. I worked there for 14 years and still doing cars. Then um, after that, we, uh, I, got a, I left, left the dockyards with the contract ran out down there and I got into warehousing and uh, ended up becoming a manager for a warehousing um, for a company called Neobia or Caterpillar Logistics and it became Neobia and then I uh, worked on the Harley-Davidson account for over 10 years on that account. Then I uh, got um, contracted out to set up warehouses overseas and I've done a lot of work overseas for about five, six years and uh, yeah, so I was in, in and out and I didn't have much time for doing cars then and then I, when I got back and settled down, I got back into cars and Got a bit old in the tooth. The time goes fast. Um, a, a lot of, I had a lot of FJs and the FXs and drag cars in between. Come back from that. Um, got back into drag racing again with a Nitro Honey car. Um, done that for four years. My son drove it. Uh, done very good. We raced with uh, Graham Cowan. Um, he brought us under his wing. Because uh, we knew nothing about Nitro then. And... Uh, he heard we bought a car and we was going to go super, uh, super comp, I think they called it. And um, he asked us to come and join his teams and we raced around Australia with him for four years and then got out of drag racing again and I got back into the cars and, yeah, so I built a couple more cars after that and I said, no, I cut my garage size down, I sold most of my tools now, I'm not allowed to weld no more because I'm starting to lose my sight a bit 
and uh, just makes it worse if I weld. So now I, uh, this is my last pink truck I got. So I want to you know, finish it all right off completely and uh, just take it from there. Got me next. I don't think I have another project. I keep saying that, but everyone laughs at me because I keep telling them it's my last one. Yeah. <laughs> You've been a busy man. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I've had around about over forty cars uh, done in my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm no. still there, still yeah. in the market. And that's you know that that must be a pretty awesome feeling. You know, like you you're taking a lot of those cars from a point where they're probably not on the road or, or not safe drivers to you know putting your heart and soul. And then you know even though you sell them off and start a new project, it sounds like the journey is more important than the destination for you. Yeah, I, I love doing it. I, I like doing a car, and uh, if I can hop in the car and after I finish building it and drive the A to B, I, I love it. And I, I try not to, you know, people want to buy cars with me. I don't like selling them when they're not really completed, you know, um, because if something goes wrong, it'll come back on you. I, I, I like I like testing them out. Most cars I only keep for about six months, and uh, people they have they have bets how long I'm going to. When I finish a car, they have all that bets on how long I'm going to keep it for. You know, like. Even with uh, Sarge now, like it's nearly, I'm I'm ha- very happy if it goes well, but there's still little things I want to do to it to uh, make it better and uh, more comfortable. I've done it, well, I've probably done it about 800 k in it already, but there's a couple of about three more little things I want to do to it, and uh, yeah, very happy with the truck and the way it drives and all that. Um, not looking at any other cars at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you, you've got another Chev. You've you've got a you've got a pickup as well. Tell us a bit of a story about how long have you had that and how do you get hold of that one? Which one's that one? The is it the fifty one, the fourteen twenty? Oh, I sold that one. I sold that one before I come back down to Melbourne. Um, that was a strain delivery. Uh, that was a nice truck and drove. And um, yeah, it was a uh, oh, that. Oh, I mean, that that was just a really awesome car. Very nice uh, paint job on it and all that. And my mate half me and half me and half me to buy it, so I end up selling it to him. That's what normally happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but me like my wife liked it, but I I, I like it. yeah. Like I said I just like getting cars and doing it my way. Um, people have other ideas, and I, look, I respect their ideas and that, but it's not the what I would do. So I boom to way I want to build them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so did you did you build that fifty one? You know. All the way up, or did you buy it sort of on the road? I bought it was like on the road, but it wasn't on the road. It was um, registered, but it needed a lot, a lot of work and very unsafe in areas. And motor was uh, virtually no good. Gearbox is no good. Diff was no good. So I rebuilt the motor, gearbox, the diff, and um, fixed up the front end. Uh, the steering was all out of whack. It was very bad. Uh, geometry on the steering, uh, fixed all that up, got it driving like you drive it with one hand, no problem. Uh, yeah, so first you bought that. I, I bought it because the paint job was um, unbelievable on it. The guy was a painter, but he wasn't a mechanic. You know, he should have stuck sticks to him with paint, and he's all right, but not doing mechanic work. Very, you find a lot of cars now, like, you know, even the Bettina cars, they look fantastic sitting on the deck and that, but you, you really got to go over the chassis and the work, what's been done to it, and, and you really got to inspect the welds. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone can put a stick in their hand and um, put some, you know, lay some weld down, but you ain't got penetration there. It, it makes the car very unsafe, and, and that's what I found out with a lot of American cars that people brought over, and, uh, you know, they wanted me to look at them and, and fix them up, but a lot of them are just, uh, yeah, really basket cases where they really need to be pulled right down and going over again. Um, it's different rules over there. Um, our rules are probably uh, great. Some of them are a bit overboard, I think, but, I mean, it's great to see the safety in the cars and that now and the people doing the right things. Yeah, it's uh, it's a catch-22, isn't it? Because you feel, you feel restricted and you feel like, I think we have to spend a lot more money to get a similar product to what you can do overseas. But uh, knowing that that the vehicle coming the other way down the highway is not about to snap in half and crash into your family is a pretty good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's um, yeah, and, and our, our roads we're more open up over here. Our roads and a little lot more traffic in the, such a you know tight you know city area. And uh, you know, you're doing hundred k on the highway, and you got to make sure that wheel don't come off or a weld don't break on the steering or something like that. And 
yeah, just like accidents do happen, not through people's faults, but um, but that's what you got to be careful of. And, and having an old car, you really got to make sure you maintain it. You know, um, you get. I mean, and the thing is now, it's uh, the. I find a lot of. I mean, I can say that, but, but a lot of people are overcharging to look at people's cars and help them out and that because the. They're, they're the last of the uh, really. I, I think the true hot rod, the true builders, um, as in uh, people like me, like yourself, where a lot of people buy having the money and take cars to shops and get them done. But you know, it's it's a to a point where you know it's it's cost a lot of money to get a car, and that's why I think cars now are actually gone to the roof. I can't get over the prices for cars, but but when you've got to look at it too, um, you know, you've got your own qualifications, what you can do, and all that, and People don't seem the younger ones these days. Don't, a lot of them don't seem to have those qualifications, and uh, they got the money because they got some great paying jobs and all that. So they just buy cards and key, and uh, they, you know they they can afford it. But in the old old days, we couldn't afford it, and we really had to um, scrounge around and do it properly. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it it does um, you know leaves opportunity for guys who've got those skills. You know whether they've done it as a profession or, or, you know, someone who like yourself has just been, um, not to say disrespectfully, but as, as a hobbyist most of your life, but you, your hobby has built up a skill set to where, you know, you probably know more than half the guys in a lot of shops do now because you've done it so many times. And, and like you say, those, those skills, they're disappearing as, as people get older and, um, it's a bit of a shame, but the guys who are doing it, um, are becoming very specialised, which is good. Oh yeah, no. Some look. Some of the shops, and I, I've seen them, and um, they, they do the work they push out is fantastic. Their, their their workmanship and all that is just great, and and, and it's surprising sometimes you go and talk to them, you tell them stuff, and they, oh really? I didn't think of that. And uh, it's great to have a chat with them. I like you know, I have a good chat with them and all that. And uh, their 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 workmanship is great, but I mean they're. They are a really specialty shop, and they do some great work. and And they do pick the uh, old guys' um, heads out just to get get the reason why this. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? So they, yeah, it's quite good talking to them, and, and I think they enjoy it too. Yeah, and I mean the world's changed a bit. I mean, these days, if if I'm wondering the best way to do something, or you know, people, you put a post up on a Facebook group. Oh, you know, how do I? get my steering down to my steering box or how do I do this or how do I do that? And then, you know, you've got uh, a thousand people chime in with their ideas or what they think they know or what they do know. And whereas I guess, you know, back 30 years ago, you just had to go to the local hot rod shop and probably chew the ear off the local guy there and, and get, get that information that way. So it's, it's a different world we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right there. Well, I remember I used to look at cars and I used to get underneath and, have a look, and yeah, you had we had no telephones in with the cameras on. We never really had a camera. We used to just take a, a, a visual picture in our head. That's how he's done that, you know. And uh, go back and re- re- try and fab it up at home, you know. And you know, and you, like now, you know, I mean, you got the the Castlemaine Rod Shop. They're pumping out a lot of stuff in that there, and you see some of the stuff, and it's still all old school stuff. Is the not not when I say no, not bagging them or nothing. They they do a good job, but their stuff is still a lot of old school stuff they still use today and and then you see um like just say for instance uh, an eh hr front end that's been modified for a v8 and people buy and then they're trying to set up their um control arms and they don't know how to actually set them up you know it's it's still old school stuff where you still need the old tools for your spacing and your gapping and you know for your pitman arms and all that it's 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 different now. Yeah? I mean, you can buy it and look at a book, but you don't understand it. It's uh, yeah, you need the old guys there to give you the steer in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and and it is good. I mean, there, I think you do learn. You know, especially in the Facebook groups. You know, you you get to a point where if someone asked me about a Jag front end, I'd say, oh look, here's the guy you got to go talk to. I know that he's put three or four of them in different vehicles, and you know, he's got the experience. He knows where to set them, how to how to mount them, how to skim them, you know. So, yeah, it's it's good because, I mean, I guess the, the great thing about it is that in some ways information doesn't die because we've got these 
you know, say an Instagram account, you can go back and watch a whole build of someone's vehicle in photos, which is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about Sarge. I mean, um, you said you're on a bit of a road trip and, and so how did you find it? Was it just on a, on a Facebook marketplace or how did you first see the truck? No, I was just, um, I was sitting in the caravan, I was clicking through, I was looking around and there was a truck there for sale and I looked at it and it was a whole complete truck and said, oh, I'll do something with that. And I contacted the guy and he was a bit shy of me because I was in Australia and America and he was uh, too busy to do this and look at this for me and this and that. So I wanted extra pictures. And so I uh, kind of, then I found another one, half the price, and uh, looked at it and the guy couldn't be any more helpful and he's, um, he sent me every picture I asked him to do. He took it for me and that, and I said, oh, it looks like a pretty you know, good cabin, all that. Um, so we, I ended up striking the deal up with him, and um, he, he's never done it before, so he was a bit shy. And, and uh, Peter Lay, uh, he, he set up um, a company to go and pick it up for me and bring it back um, down, and we brought it back. It was up in, it's still in California, but it was up in the hills. And he brought it down to me, uh, Dennis Young, and Dennis Young pulled it apart and and uh, took the um, cab and all that down to the uh, dockyards and that Peter Lay's um, uh, storage area and, uh, yeah, just waited there and got it shipped over. But the car was all, well, the cab was, like, all there, all the parts I needed. I ended up buying the, um, the pickup bed. I wanted a long bed um, because I didn't, I didn't want it too short. And... Uh, Virtually when I got it all home and all that, and um, if you know, it's been knocked around a bit and all that, but there's nothing that we couldn't fix, and uh, just dummied all up on the ground with the bed and the cab, and worked out what wheelbase I needed from that way. Um, just uh, so after we'd done that, I I was going to actually put on a C30 chassis, and uh, I had one done, and um, I bought one down up in uh, Ballarat somewhere I think it was, and I brought it down, and uh, we. Um, I just end up changing my mind and uh, I was talking to uh, the Cat Fabrications and uh, his name's Rob and uh, spoke to him and because uh, he, he'd done a few little jobs for me, welding up and all that. And um, he, he said to me, he goes, oh, I want to use the original chassis. I said, I was still in the States, you know. And we got talking and we found the Australian original right-hand chassis, truck chassis. And we said, well, let's do that. So we've got together, worked out all the measurements, what we need. And uh, I said, all right, then uh, we'll leave it with you. And like the chassis, mind you, the side walls of the chassis are in about eight and three quarter inches wide and uh, eight mil thick steel. So <laughs> it's a very heavy, I wanted it heavy, being short. And so it's a very nice, heavy chassis. And the uh, first one he's done like that and the original chassis. And uh, he got into it and uh, said, there's the chassis. What do you reckon of that? And uh, I was blown away with uh, the workmanship what he does is fantastic. Um, and then we um, got going and he, he makes up the front ends from scratch. They're not the, they look very similar uh, in style as like the Mustang 2 setup with the control arms and all that. And he makes them up from uh, nothing, his own, own design, all engineered and all that. And he ended up working at the uh, front end and the rear end. We've done all that. And... Um, yeah, then Virgie made made the frame frame up for the sit the cab on. But we, um, I had the motor. I bought the motor from a 2017 VF Commodore, and he done to 29,000 k. And uh, yeah, so we set that up and we dummied everything up there. And uh, at his workshop, because I was on the road, and um, he, uh, yeah, so Virgie couldn't <laughs> couldn't do any much work. So we dummied all the car up there in and out, and. Uh, we uh, yeah brought it home and uh, after what he done, he did, and then I just virtually pulled the car apart and went over it again and started adding my bits and pieces on and uh, repairing stuff and and uh, yeah come 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 to that and the, oh, look it worked out really really good. Uh, I was very happy with his workmanship and uh, his style and the way he spoke to me and uh, got on and but we shared ideas and he, some of his ideas, some of my ideas and. Uh, Worked out great, you know. He likes airbagging cars. I don't like airbagging cars. I've had a few airbag cars. <laughs> I just don't like the way they handle. Um, but uh, but they look cool when they're sitting down. But yeah, but looking cool, I'd rather go to A to B and uh, B to A back again, you know. So 
no, it was good, but yeah, so that's how it started, so I started off there, and when I, I was up in Queensland, and uh, I moved everything up there, finally got Sarge shipped up there, and um, when I had time, we bought a house up there after travelling, and I set up a garage down there, and worked on Sarge a fair bit, uh, finally when we got to a stage, where I got to a stage, I, I got the body sandblast and all that, and I ended up placing the two cab corners, and and part of the floor in it. Um, uh, what else did we do? The, the, the cab was really pretty good. Um, one, I had to replace the door skin. And you, you did a right, you did a right hand drive dash conversion on it too, right? Yeah, yeah. Robbie done that. We um, instead of putting, all, we, I was going to use all the the regional gauges and all that. But the trouble with when you're running like, like, um, like the ECU and all that, you know, the the Commodore electronics and all that. We end, I end up, um, Robbie said it'd be best to run the uh, digital decoder dashes because everything uh, matches in, which he, he was right. It would have been too much of a headache for me. So we um, done all that because uh, the transmission's all electronic as well. And uh, we end up running those dashes. So it was a very um, pretty uh, straightforward swap over because it's virtually just blocking one side off and, and pulling the other side in. There's... I've got no glove box in it because that's where the air conditioning unit and all that sits up in there. And, uh, yeah, so it was a very good swap and just a cut out in the dash and the gauges go in and, and it, it, for the gauges, the way it's set up, it's just one plug, one little internet plug that plugs in and uh, that's it. There's no other wires that run to the uh, gas uh, instrument cluster. It's a fantastic little setup. I did have dramas when I first started the car up, but... It, um, it developed, uh, I had it running pretty good, and then uh, when I first got it started, it, it developed, well, I got some wiring done on it, and uh, it developed a miss, and uh, I think we might have burned out the, uh, or hit, you know, done something to the ECU, but I couldn't get it running uh, very good on all eight cylinders, and it drove me, dummy heading for oh, a couple of months, and I took it to a, a specialist up in Queensland, and they had it, they actually made it worse. They had a backfiring and all that. And, and uh, so, yeah, they had all the tools and instruments and dynos and they, they couldn't work it out. And they, they they said they checked the ECU and there's nothing wrong with it. And I come back here and um, I knew an uh, auto let down here and I said, look, I'm having nothing but drums. It's still in my head in. I'm about to, you know, lock the car up in the garage and not go out there for a year. And I said, I'm not over good in uh, electronics and that. So he said, let me have a look at it. And, I gave him the paperwork, and even the paperwork stated that the ECU's been tested, there's nothing wrong with it, and that. He'd done his bit, and he said to me, he goes, Steve, he goes, I really think it's the ECU. He goes, can I just get another one and swap it over and just see what we do? So I said, all right, and he'd done that, and the thing never looked back. <laughs> it was the ECU all the time. Yeah. There you go. Is, that, is this the first time you've ever used an LS series engine? Um, I've had them in cars before, but the first time we've ever done, yeah, virtually from start to finish, is in the wiring and all that. Yeah, so um, I've had it in the little, um, I had a, yeah, 51 pickup, the green one, that had one in it, and um, I had no problem with that, and I just couldn't get over it, hop in it, hit the key, and off you go, you know. No no, no missing, no back wiring, no no carby petrol smells, no nothing like that. And, uh, yeah, I said, oh, this is the way to go. I, I like I like old engines, nothing wrong with old engines, but I said I'm getting older now, and can't get in there and tune things up no more. I lean over the the guards and that. And I said, oh, bugger this, I'll put an LS in, and uh, I think it's the best thing ever. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they don't like LSs, but there's nothing wrong with them. There, so I think they're about three seventy six cube inch. Um, they they absolutely hammer. They fire their strong engine. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't really. To be honest with you, I've never pulled down an LS engine and put them together. Um, yeah, but I've done plenty of early motors and all that, but not the uh, LSs. And, uh, yeah, I'm motors a motor, but, I mean, yeah, probably only able I've done is drop the sump and change the sump and pick up. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got an LS1 sitting here, and we've just had a standalone harness built for it. And sort of in the next month or so, I'll, I'll be going through all those headaches. So kind of looking forward to it because I've, I've not dealt with one either. So, yeah, it should be good fun. Yeah, I think the trick is having having your earths in the right place and that as well. Um, they need a lot of earths and they need a lot of power. So you've virtually got to have a good good battery, a really good um, a generator, not generator, not generator, alternator, 
I'm talking also, yeah, a really good alternator to pump out the power. If you ain't got the power there, it, it, it needs, it, they live on power, so you've really got to have a good, good voltage there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. And, and I mean, I, I, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone listening. I, I shed a little tear when I saw you sandblasting the cab because it, it did have a pretty cool patina, but I guess that you were never going to match the whole vehicle, were you? No, well, it was very hard. Well, it had a good patina, but, oh, it was like a chalk dust. Yeah, yeah. You just couldn't lean on it, and I, and I tried rubbing it back in the areas and doing that, and and I, I, I and I had it, like, like in the quarters, uh, the, the cab corners there, and um, had a little bit up in the roof line there, and, I, and it wasn't bad in the roof line, but I had to get in there to clean it up, and, and uh, I said, oh, well, bloody um, do it myself. So we, uh, oh, we said, no, I'll sandblast it because I'm not happy. I don't know what's under it properly, so we sandblast and all that. And, yeah, people said, oh, you should have left it as it is. And, yeah, they do look sweet like that. And, and anyway, I was going to get a nice paint job on it and uh, had a bit of a drum with a... I went to... Um, the guy who sandblast is good, and I had a deal with a guy in a, a paint shop to paint the truck for me, and we had a price and all that, but he sold the business halfway through, and... Uh, this other business tried to um, take me for a ride, and uh, I said, no, I'm not paying that, and uh, they wanted $35,000 to paint it. I said, no, no way. So I said, I brought it home and got me mates and all that and uh, a few slabs, and it uh, cost me $600 to paint it. So <laughs> it's got, but it's got, like, edge primer on it. Um, oh, look, I'm not a painter in that, and uh, so I'll give it a go. So we've got edge primer. I done a few sample things. What I wanted to do, what look I wanted. I uh, couldn't get much information out of people how to do the patina look and all that. And and I seen a guy had a couple of cars, and I said to, I'm just on the phone or Facebook. It was. I said, how did you get that look and all that? And goes, oh, I painted this and that. And I'm going, how the bloody hell do you do that? So I wanted a good base coat on it. So I, I ended up using like a two pack paint, but I put a flattening agent in it. It's called Nutmeg. It's a you miss it, I reckon it looks like baby shit colour. And um, I, I put a, a flattening agent and I put it in there and rubbed it back and it, was, it, it looked all right, but I didn't like it myself. And I was trying to like it. I said, it's going to be good. And he's going, it looks awful. I'm not getting in that thing. So I uh, started experimenting with um, putting uh, like a flat black through it and how heavy I had to go and then light in places and put the brown back on it again. But I think the trick was... Um, the two packages, the flattening agent would help you get that effect really well and uh, it's good, easy for touch-ups and all that and it's got a good solid base so no water, it's not it's water resistant so nothing get in there and get under the paint. Yeah, so it, it was quite, you know, my first, you know, my mate's first uh, attempt at painting something like that and we, we had a bit of fun doing it and uh, experimenting, like some of the panels have got some nice, a lot, lot of paint on them and that's so, but it, I mean, I can, uh, I can rub it back. People can lean on it. I don't. I don't really worry me. It's it's great. I'm not worried about a chip here and a chip there. So, like I say, uh, when you get older, you you stress a lot. So I say, uh, a shiny plate causes stress. <laughs> this one doesn't. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on that. No, I think it's come up great. It's um, you know, it's just got that that look that it, it doesn't look like brand new paint, but it it also doesn't really look like you've tried to do fake patina. To a point, you know, like I see a lot of guys, I'm a little bit um, judgmental, I think, and I, I should just uh, shut up sometimes. But no, I think some people try too hard and, and they it, it looks fake, whereas I think what you've done just, just looks oldish and worn and I think it looks good. Yeah, I've had a lot of people look at it and say, how'd you do that? And I said, well, really didn't know what we were doing, but it just came out good or they just <laughs> gave it a go. You know, and uh, yeah, they they uh, they actually love it. And even my mate came out as a painter. He goes, "How'd you get that effect? How'd you get?" You know, he, he was buying away with it. You know, and uh, he always does nice shiny jobs. And he goes, that, "That is fantastic! I cannot get over it." You know, so I was I was going big smile for me there after he left. <laughs> <laughs> Trade secret. Yeah, yeah. No, I share anything with anyone, and. Uh, I talk to a lot of people in America and they've asked me different things and I don't mind sharing photos and pictures and I can help anyone out anyway. I will. Um, it costs you nothing to, you know, to 
send a picture to someone or explain something to someone, it doesn't cost me nothing. It's not costing me anything to do it. So, yeah, why not help someone who wants to get in it? And uh, it's like, I reckon cars are great for people and uh, getting out and cruising. I love cruising, going somewhere, chilling out, you know, having a barbecue. I mean, mostly guys to meet are fantastic. Um, yeah, a lot of, I see, do see a lot more young ones getting into it, and uh, which is great, I think. Um, it, it, it's funny how they all got different ideas. The only part about the hot rod, I didn't like the uh, when the bling scene scene come out. I didn't like that. I, I was totally against all that. I didn't like it. Uh, I really like traditional hot rods and all that. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's funny. And, and when even when I built a few cars, a few well-known hot rods said, you know, he said, yeah. You, you build a car to a, a nice stance, a nice look, and these they're basic and plain, but it's it's adorable, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate people, you know, talking and letting you know what they think of the car. They don't like it, well, that's good, you know. But most of most people like it, no. Mm. No, no, I think that's great. Now I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, early in the piece, I saw a photo. And you had a caddy front bumper fitted up to it. Is that something that you sort of thought about and then decided you didn't like, or, or what happened with that? No, well, it's a long story. I, I bought a caddy, caddy bumper in the States at an auction, and I bought it and I shipped over it, and only, only, only got two pieces of it, so I was missing the other pieces. So, oh, bloody hell, I'm going to do this. So I had, had that down here in um, uh, Melbourne. Then I moved up to Queensland, and then... Um, I had the caddy bumper up there, and you would have seen the picture with only half the caddy bumper on it. The latest one is the full one. And uh, then my mate in America, I, I found a, a caddy bumper. I was looking for parts for it. You can't buy a part. I, I thought they come in three sections. They don't. It's one with virtue piece and where the, the big, um, what they call them, bump stops, if you want to call them, uh, where they, underneath that, it's actually a welder. I thought they were actually joined there. So... He, um, I found a place and really nice guy in America that deals in Cadillacs and um, my mate drove 300, mile, oh, 300 miles over there and he went down there with his missus, said he's taking away for the weekend and uh, he spent his uh, weekend in the, in the car shops. She, she still lets me know about it every time we talk to him. And uh, he, uh, he um, spoke to the guy and he got the caddy bumper for me and um, he had the D's place, and then like COVID hit, so everyone was like locked up and all that. So he uh, had the he come back to Australia, but I was up in Queensland, and um, he brought the the caddy bumper. He stuck, he made, he had a suitcase. He put it only the parts I needed in the suitcase and all that, and uh, he brought it to Melbourne. And then he, they got locked down in Melbourne, so he couldn't do nothing. So he left it at his at his brother-in-law's place. And he went back to America, and then I was going to come down and get it, but like super couldn't travel on that. So finally, um, come down back when I got to Victoria, a mate come and visit me. So I got the parcel dropped off at my place, and he brought it around. It was the bumper bar, so it was great. So I got the bumper bar only only would be about a month ago. I got it back all together. So I just sat it there in front of the car, and that's my goal. One of the things I want to do is put that on too. So playing around with that but yeah it, it, it looks nice once it's on and uh, I'll, I'll probably have it a little bit lower so it just gives that lower look yeah yeah mm, awesome and um and what about mirrors i don't i don't think i've seen a photo of the truck with any mirrors on it yet what, what's your plan for that well i've been trying to chase up a, um like the west coast uh, yeah just that you know the arms but they've got to extend their arm with a bolt um they come in and out. I just I want to try and get a good set. Of, not a good set, an old set of them, but I've had no luck at the moment. You get new ones and all that, but, yeah, it's got no mirrors. I only got the rear vision mirror inside, which is, it, you can see pretty much everything anyway. But, yeah, I definitely want to put a couple of mirrors on, but I'm just debating. Um, yeah, I want to get the, just the long arm ones, but I don't know if they're going to vibrate or anything like that. Um, yeah, but that, that's all just a single arm bolted to the cab body, and they come up with a yeah, rectangle rear vision mirror on it. Yeah, well, you um, you've got the skills to give it a a bit of a patina look, don't you? Yeah, I am now. I wouldn't say I was a patina type of guy, but yeah, I, the more I see patina cars, the more I like them. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great when you don't have to worry about dropping the spanner down somewhere and it's bouncing off and that. 
I kind of laugh you now. I drop a spanner or i moving something to the garage and, and nothing dangerous. Like, I mean, it hits the car and I don't have to, oh, you know, carry on because I, 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 some of the, some people carry on like horse people. They just really, really, oh, look, I've taken your head off to them what they, what they do to their cars, but I couldn't be like that. Um, you know, my, the cars are made to drive. I always say, you know, people trailer cars, good on them, love them. You know, they, they cars are, are just fantastic, you know, and, but I, that's not me. I can't do that. I couldn't be there polishing all day, but that's their passion. Take me head off to them. That's great. Mm. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their own thing, haven't they? Yeah. Mm. No, look, mate, I, I think it's come out real good. I, I was pretty impressed. I saw a post and you were, um, you were talking about the timber in the bed of the truck. Now, you've got black butt, you've got spotted gum, blue gum, and mana gum in there. That, that's quite a cocktail. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I was trying to um, work out what type of bed, and I bought I bought some um, bed strips, and uh, I couldn't get long bed strips anywhere, and they were like, you, know, you couldn't even get them from America anywhere, and I tried to get... Everyone had short bed strips, so I ended up buying a, a company that had the strips, and I bought two sets. And, uh, and I was looking at my mate's truck, and um, he, he uh, it's a Brendan uh, Winnie Winwood. And uh, he's the one I sold the truck to, and um, he said, "Oh, I put um, I only use a can. I said, you going to use six, not seven. He goes, "Yeah." So that's that's all right. So I end up um, cutting cutting the strip one, the, the extra length of strip. I end up cutting and joining the ends of. So it's hit the long bed, and uh, we have to hunt around for wood. And I mean, it's, it sounds easy to get wood, but it's not. You know, oh, you can go to Bunnings and get all that type of stuff. But I wanted something old and. Went to a like a recycle yard and I rang the recycle yards and I wanted you know really old wooden that and just had no luck getting the sizes I wanted. So I found a place in Castle Maine, Victoria, um, a salvage yard and I went down there. And he goes, oh, got nothing that like that, but I can there to make your upper set. And he goes, oh, yeah, no worries. So he rang me up and uh, he said, oh, I've got this wood for you. You want to come down and have a look? So I went down and looked at it. Yeah, he goes, I've got it trimming up but I won't trim it up too much because you want I said I want the old look in that stool but I want it good so he he's done it to the size I wanted and measured up put the step in it for me and uh yeah and uh I was, went and picked it up I was quite happy and uh I didn't have a garage at that stage so I had to cut truck in storage and that and went took the truck down to Brendan's place and because Brendan done it before we uh bought a couple of slabs and uh yeah got into it and done the done done it over three days so we come up really really good mm. in the end uh yeah, so it was pretty quick. He was, he was amazed too how quick it went. But I think, like, he'd done it before, so we knew, you know, he kind of knew what he was doing. So everything was pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, it was great in the end, getting that done. And, uh, yeah, really made uh, The woods around about 20, 20, 23 mil thick. So it was pretty good. And I wanted to wait. Like I said, I always want to wait in the back um, with the truck. Uh, yeah, so it came up fantastic. And uh, it, it looks better. You know, then the features looks great, but it looks look, it looks a hell of a lot better when you get up close and see how old the wood is. Yeah, it's all over a hundred year old the wood. Mm, yeah, beautiful. That's no, good. And the um, you've got the little the indicators in the end of the um bed roll. Is that they they're your actual working indicators? Yeah, they're actually working indicators in the bed, uh, in the roll part of the bed. I I um seen them in I, I, I was looking at something I've seen them indicators for beds and that and I've seen that, that come up so they're, they're pretty cool and uh, and uh, I end up um, bought, bought them from the States I don't know if they sell them here and that, but someone said there's a car model that come out with me that fit I don't know I can't remember I think it's a Mitsubishi or something and uh, yeah but I end up buying them and put them in there and they're, they're an LED and uh, yeah they're, they're great and I uh, just wanted to get the, keep the old school you really got to when they when they're on you can see them but I mean Something you got to look for when they're when they're when they're not flashing, you know. <laughs> but uh, I wanted that keep that look, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's always a hard one, I think. With um, you know, if you, I, I'm my personal preference, I, I'm not a big fan of roll pans. I, I like to have a rear bumper, and and when you have a rear bumper, it sort of makes it a lot harder to do your your tail lights and your indicators, and and that you know that's always a good way to get around it. I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, I said I looked at different lights I wanted and all that and like different styles and how I'm going to mount them and uh, yeah but I had a different bumper on it first I had the um, 
I think it was a 55 pump. I had to step in it and all that, and that looked all right. But then I could do the number plate, like set it in the roll pan. I said, no, nah, just just leave it like that. And I just wanted to. I like doing cars pretty plain, Jane. Like I just like even with the interior now, that's all pretty stock. I've got the carpet in it now. Um, there's the seats done. I put the um, the headliner in, which is uh, it's just uh, like a cardboard material, and uh, it's a bum bum to work with. It's <laughs> I bought I bought that, and uh, yeah, this will go straight in there. Yeah, yeah, like hell it did. <laughs> nothing did, nothing nothing was cut straight. No, my God. And when you're doing it by yourself, it's like you're coming up with that many swear words. I tell you, but. It's all in there now. I've just got to do the trim around the sides of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. You know, the steering wheel, I'm happy with the, the, the way it tilts the column and that. Not, it, it really, uh, all brand new glass and, and all the new rubbers and that. There's, there's no really rattles or anything. And it, it, it's, uh, it, it's really nice to drive. And when your wife says, oh, this is nice, this is good, you know, I go, my God, thank God for that. <laughs> Not to worry about that. But, yeah, but... Uh, it, look, and uh, but it does. I must admit, it does drive differently. Um, when I say that, it's uh, you know, like I, I like putting cars through their paces and their test, and uh, it, it's uh, like you're going around a bend in that. You know, I, I just know it's driving slow is not bad, but it does turn on turn on a dime, you know, and you've virtually got to turn after your corner. If you know what I mean? Because you're not there. So when you're driving. Like at 100k going around a pretty tight bend, you don't, you, you you don't see the bend when you turn, you know, before you turn. You're actually in the bend when you turn because you're sitting on top of the wheel, so you're virtually uh, it's like a go kart. You, you got to you, you turn late if you know what I mean. You don't turn early, you turn late, so you're virtually into the corner before, and you got to it, it, it just turns on a dime. It's it, it's just a different feeling. It's, it's I don't know. Just, I've never driven a, you know, a car with the, sitting over the wheels, really. It's, uh, it's a different experience, but it, I'm amazed at how it turns and how it handles. And uh, it took me a while to set the suspension up and all that and get it where I want. I'm still going to do some final things on the back of it at the moment, um, setting, resetting that up. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how it handles and drives. It's uh, pretty good. Yeah, and the, and the engine noise is not too bad. I mean, obviously, you know, you're pretty much... you. Your engine's right in front of the edge of your seat, I'd say, um, where a gearbox normally would be in, in, a, in a truck. So how do you find heat and, and engine noise, or you know, have you noticed the difference there? Well, I was really worried about the heat side of it. You know, everyone's telling me, you know, the heat's bad and all I've read, you know, not telling me what I've read about and the heat and all that. But, you know, I mean, my motor's pretty far away from the... Uh, we've got a dog box on there, but it's very low dog box. But there's plenty of room um, underneath. So virtually my motor sits around about, well, say, two inches away from the floor. So the dog box is around about four inches on it. And uh, I actually run the original, um, the engine cover, which is all uh, insulated as well. Um, there was a bit of people had concerns saying, oh, it's going to kind of get too hot with that on there. And it's, So, um, yeah, so I, I, I've done all the insulation on the floor with the... Um, the uh, what they call that silver, well, silver stuff with the um, dynamat style, yeah, yeah, like the dynamat. Sorry, yeah, I think the name's got a picture of a lizard on it, but uh, yeah, but I used all that on their floor. Then I've got um, uh, insulation on the floor, and I've got nice heavy carpet. And uh, mate, you wouldn't even know there's an engine under there, you know, only you know, you have the exhaust at the back, but uh, no noise, no nothing, um, it's no heat. Coming up through your feet. I mean, in other cars where the exhaustions are running, to be hotter underneath. But the car uh, doesn't overheat. It uh, it runs sits on around about oh, I think about 190. It sits on all the time, which those motors run about 190, 200. Uh, fans come on around about 197. Brings they bring us straight down. I've been I've been out when it's been 38 uh, degrees in, it, uh, in in traffic, no problems whatsoever. All I'm going to do is put a, an overflow tank on it. I'm not happy with the one I've got. I'll change that. But, um, yeah, apart from that, no, there's no noise, no heat, uh, no rattles. It's uh, very, it's a, an amazing car to drive. I wouldn't say it's a Mercedes, but, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty comfortable. Mm. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
Cool. Well, a couple more things I want to hit before we finish up, because um, I know people are going to ask. Tell us about the visor. It's it's not a Fulton style. Where did you get that, and, and do you know what it is? Yeah, it's an original visor from '54. Um, uh, Chev, but as you hope people know that these cabs are the same as the pre 100 cabs. The only thing different about them is the uh, arch in the front there. Um, the cabs are all the same. All the door locks are all the same. Uh, but the cabs are virtually a free one over the cab. Um, with the, uh, like, now I lost the track here. Now, what was the question again? I was asking about the visor. So it's a, it's original. Oh, the visor, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I was getting off about the cab then, but with the visor, um, normally they clip, clip on the... Yeah, 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 always have the clips. And all the all the trucks I've had, they've always hit the doors, you know, when the clips and you've got to do this, do that, to hit the screws, they screw into the roof or they come out of the guttering. So what we've done, we welded a, we used the original, I bought the visor in the States, so I had it shipped over. Um, we normally where, the, where it clips under the guttering, we took that, we didn't use those mm-hmm. parts. So we virtually used the visor without the clips. We welded a plate in the... Um, the roof, we actually, a nice heavy plate, we actually um, drilled it and tapped it and the visor just bolts straight to that and plus it's got a support in the middle. But it's original, um, I've had a lot of people asking me about the visor and I've sent them the link where I got it from, uh, so I'm happy to do that with anyone who wants to know where I got it from. Um, yeah, so no, I couldn't get one in Australia anywhere. They all had the Fulton type style, but they, they, they're good for the, like the earlier ones with a sweet window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this one, yeah, I got this one. I thought, no, it's quite good. But I must admit, with the visor, they do have a little bit of a wind noise. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, so that, that was a bit it, but something that looks cool, you put up with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and last thing, I'm assuming there are artilleries you're running. What what size rooms? Are they 17s? Yeah, 17-inch artilleries. Um, I bought them in the States and had them shipped over because they'll 2D it here. Um they, I think each rim only cost me $125 and um, probably, I think all up landed here in, a, in Australia cost me about 1200 bucks all up and that was air freighted too. Um, their artillery 17 by 9 on the back and I've got 17 by 7 on the front. Um, I went, went with a higher profile tyre so I didn't want to, to take a bit of shock out but um, yeah, they, but I must admit those artillery wheels, gee they weigh a tonne. Oh, they are heavy wheels, um, like a, heavier than a normal steel wheel, I reckon. But that's great. That's what I wanted. Mm. No, that's great. Look, no, look, I, I think you've tied the whole thing together really well. I, I, I'm totally with you on the long wheelbase, um, or on the on the long long bed, bed because I I see some of these COEs turn into pickups in the states, and I think they can look. A little bit funny they look a bit too short and and i think by by running the long bed the way you've done it um yeah it's it's filled it out and given it a bit more stance so i i love what you've done oh thank you yeah no that, that's the whole intention I, like i said i looked at it a lot on they look too stout to me and and like i said we dummied it up on the ground i said no that's the look i want and then we have to work out our that's why we've got work out our height of the the, the cabin and the and the, the pickup bed so we can uh, give it that good look, you know, and uh, yeah, no, really happy the way it turned out, and and everyone that helped me out and ideas, and that's what it's all about, mates helping each other, mates out, and even if you don't know me, anyone can ring me anytime or ask me any questions, and I'm quite happy to help them. Um, I think I've heard, actually heard that you can't bring them in no more, so the old trucks. Uh, I'm not too sure. They said they took the 25 year rule of them. I'm not 100 percent sure, but. I'm sure you, if anyone wants to get around it, just bring him in as a spare part and just bring the cabinet in, they'll get away with it, I reckon. But um, I've just seen a few posts on there, people saying uh, a guy in Australia was going to buy it, but they won't allow it to come in because it doesn't meet their uh, new uh, rules and that. So, And uh, I've heard a few importers saying, saying, yeah, the rules have changed. So, yeah, so it's not, not good, really. Um, I think they're all pushing for electric cars. Yeah. But I won't see that. <laughs> No, I haven't heard that, so that'd be interesting. But um, I doubt that, to be honest. I, I, no doubt they've probably changed a few rules, but I, I think if they're of the sort of age that Sarge is, that wouldn't be a problem. Um, so I guess last question is, is why the name Sarge? How did, how did you come up with that? Is that a personal um, connection? 
Oh, yeah, I was uh, in the reserves and uh, my mates all called me Sarge and um, and we, uh, we were jokes about it and that. And, uh, yeah, so it was in my younger days and uh, the names, a lot of my older friends always call me Sarge and I said, well, it'll be last truck and I'll, I'll call it Sarge. I always give all my cars and that a name, so... Yeah, and then and a few of my mates said, you, you just name all your cars all the time. I said, well, they've got to have a name. <laughs> They're not just the car, not the truck. They've got to have a name. And, uh, yeah, so I called this Sarge, my last one. Actually, I was actually going to paint it um, uh, the camouflage green, but I think Mrs. will let me because I'd done one of the uh, FJs in the camouflage green, and that's a that's a drag car now, and that's that's still in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so you can let me go on that line. But I actually like that book, so... Mm. No. But that's why it's Sarge, yeah, from the old reserves days. Mm. Never seen action. But, you know, I'll have a few bees, I'll tell you a few stories, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's great. No, that's all good, mate. Well, so if people wanted to um, get in touch with you, they can just find you on Facebook and, and you know, shoot you a message and, and you're happy to answer some questions. Yep, I'll help anyone out any time and pictures and anything they need to know and help them out, no worries. And just, I don't know, people, a lot of people would know that the, the difference between like the three one hundred, the American cab and the Australian cab, that the Australian cabs, all the locking mechanisms, striker plates, door handles, locks are all holding FJ. So a lot would know it, but it might, a lot might who's getting into it. So I've had a few people contact me saying, oh, "I bought all this that doesn't fit," and I said, "I'll oh, send me a picture of what car you got." And they sent me a picture. I said, "That's all. It's an Aussie cab. It's all holding FJ stuff." So yeah, just something that people. Might be listening to oh, something, you know, you learn. Always good when you learn something every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is a trap a lot of people fall into. The, obviously, the same with doors. The doors aren't interchangeable between the cabs. So, yeah, if, you, if you've if you got a, a US cab, then you've got to buy the US um, gear and the, the Aussie cabs. Yeah, most of it was the FXFJ sort of series um, parts that go into them. So, no, that's good advice. Um, is is your wife in um, listening range? No, no, she's not. I've, I've, she's locked me in the back room. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't have to answer this question, and, and I'll edit the question out if you decide you don't want to. But are, are you prepared to share a, a bit of an idea on what this costs you to build? I, I think a lot of people they set out with an idea that they're going to build build a cool pickup, and but they just have no idea on how much this all really costs. So, is it something you're prepared to? share a, a bit of a ballpark figure on? Um, yeah, ballpark figure in, like, not not in labour time because, you know, I don't put my labour down. I just do it because I like, you know, used to like doing it. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like doing it now, but I've just got older and slower. But I, I, I say easy, easy $60,000 in parts. Yeah. And th- does that include Rob doing his work? That's including Rob, yeah. Rob, Rob, Rob's prices are very reasonable, I think. Um, the best way advice I can give people is, um, you know, like if you're going to get something done, sit down with them, talk to them, tell them what, what you'd like to get done. They can explain the way they can do it better and say, what's a ballpark figure? Now, you know, that's the way I work with Rob, you know, and uh, he, he, I couldn't ask for a nicer guy who um, he just shared information, rang me up, if something was wrong, you know, send it back, Steve. You know, you know, just in, he helped me get a few parts, and they weren't right. Send them back, fix them up. Yeah, I've got no problem. And I still talk to Rob these days, and he, you know, and uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for a nicer guy. Um, as in the shop, he works. He works by himself, and a few other guys. But he, the work, what I've what I've been in his shop, his workmanship down there is fantastic. It's it, it's something that. I wish we, in my time, we had the equipment and all that to do stuff like that. I would love to work for the guy, but he'd probably, you know, get rid of me. I, you know, too old and slow, you know, but he's a, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I call him a mate, and uh, I hope he calls me a mate, but he's, uh, yeah, anyone wants some good quality workmanship and someone is not going to rip you off and, you know, just get that ballpark figure with anyone and uh, you can't go wrong. Then you know where you are in your budget and on your build. Yeah, so, but like I said, with me, I, I had a lot of stuff. I, I I know prices. I know what to get stuff, and uh, that's probably so. You know, I say sixty thousand in parts, but 
I, I did hunt around and you, you, you're going to buy stuff off the shelf or you're going to pay big dollars. You shop around and look for stuff and you can bargain, barter, and, uh, yeah, it's the way it works. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting you come up with that number. I, I was recently chatting with Adrian Cooper at Coop's Rod and Custom and, and we were just shooting the shit about a few things and, and you know, I, I, he literally came up with the exact same number. You know, if, if a client comes to him, you know, he just says, look, you're looking at bare minimum 60 grand in parts. Doesn't matter what you want to do. That's the that's almost your starting point. And, you know, then you've got to add your labor on. Obviously, you've got the skills to do um, the lion's share of the work yourself. But, yeah, it's uh, I think it's just, a, I don't know, I, I guess it's a cautionary tale because the, you see so many guys, they'll, they'll buy a truck and then, you know, 12 months later, it's for sale again and it's just sitting on a HQ chassis and that's as far as they got because I think people – don't have a realistic idea in the head as to what it really costs. That's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Correct. Correct. There. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it just it, it can blow out on you, and um, you know, it, it just it can get away way on people. I've helped a few people out in, in their builds and their cars, and I, I think uh, a lot, a lot of them, you know, of course you've been in cars of your life and you know them backwards. You, you can help them out, but they don't think you, yourself. You know. What, what you've learned over the years is so valuable and, uh, you know, like I said, I don't mind sharing it, but it, it's, you know, you help other people out and they, to me, it's like, just like um, some of them treat you like you just put petrol in the car and that's all you've done. They don't realise, you know, it's taken you many years to get these skills and, uh, yeah, so it's, um, oh, it's taken good for the bad. No, absolutely. No, look, um, it's a it's a bloody ripper truck. I love it and, uh and if it's your last build, then you've you've capped it off really well, mate. So um, great work, and I look forward to seeing it now that you're back in Victoria, seeing it somewhere in the flesh soon. No, yeah, anytime, mate. No worries. I'll, I plan to get out a bit more, and now my shed's finished. I'm getting organised, and uh, plan to do a few more runs uh, this coming season. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Will, you, will you be at the Bright Rod Run, do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely going to Bright Rod Run. No, I only missed one year of that. I've been going there for the last like, 15 years, I think, or more. Um, yeah, so I'll be going definitely taking to the Bright. Um, where else? I, I've done, I've done two. I've done a, a Chuka Malama. I've done that one the other week and up at um, Seymour as well. They were just like the test ones and all that, and they're quite happy with everything. And now it's just doing a few little fiddly bits. Nothing, nothing special, but. I'm just getting told me so the garage is finished. I haven't got power in the garage yet, otherwise I would have taken you out there and uh, <laughs> and that. But um I'm getting the driveway done, so it's just the wrong time of year and I'm like COVID taking over again and a bit weary staying away from everyone and uh I'm just sitting there now having a talk with you and drinking me uh, monkey shoulder and having a chat and uh, love it. No, that's good. Yeah, I, I went to the fridge and I realised I was out of beer and so I've I've been drinking my wife's um, gin and soda that she had in the fridge. So uh, anyway, does the job. All right, mate. Well, look, we really appreciate you um, sharing your story and sharing a bit of knowledge with us. And um, and I hope everyone listening uh, got a bit out of that. And you know, someone who's who's done a lion's share of work and always happy to answer a question and very active on on Facebook. So thanks, Steve, for your time and uh, look forward to catching up with you in the future. Uh, thank you. Catch you again. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.